Blog Talk Radio. for joining us and thank you Jake the Snake for leading us into Tuesday February 11th 2014 we're going to be talking about last night's Raw the WWE Network and a lot more we have a lot of guests today uh, as usual but first let's bring in the wrestling insider out of snowy Chicago the one and only Double J 
JJ. Good evening, JJ, and welcome to King Jordan Radio. Hey, King, great to be on. As you mentioned, we just kicked off with Jake the Snake Roberts, one of the second inductees into the 2014 Hall of Fame. The WWE just revealed their newest inductee into the Hall of Fame, which we'll get into a little bit later, but lots to talk about. Raw, Betty White, the WWE Network, great to be on. Okay, I think we have from the wrestling hot seat the wrestling historian himself, the one and only Dominic Valente. Dominic, here, what's up, Jordan? JJ, what's up, bro? What's up, Dominic? Great to have you on, man. Yeah, glad to be here. Okay. Uh, What I wanted to start off with was the uh, war last night. And, uh, well, Dominic, uh, let me get your take on it, then we'll go over to JJ. I tell you, Monday Night Raw was great. I enjoyed it. It was like five weeks in a row that Raw was good. Only their pay-per-views should be just as good as their Raw, and they're not. Raw no, had everything. It moved fast. The matches were good. Betty didn't White. Have too many skits. And for what it was, it was a very good Raw again. It was good seeing Betty White. Betty White is one of the funniest women. I love her. Uh, she put on a good show. She was a great guest, and uh, that's the kind of guest that they need. Pe- somebody that people know, not a guest that you say, who the hell is that? Yeah. Amen to that. Uh, JJ, what was your take on Raw? Yeah, I, I agree with Dominic. I think we've had uh, some pretty decent Raws lately. I think uh, they made a big deal of having Betty White on, and Betty White was cool. She opened up the show, and she was accompanied by the big show, and she mentioned she's here, she's at Raw, and she's going to kick some ass. So, that you know, they got a nice good uh, sound bite off of that. And uh, they didn't use her too much. As Dominic said, there weren't a lot of skits. But uh, the very few times they used her, they used her well. You know, it was very brief. Uh, they had her with the Divas backstage. They had her introduce the main event uh, just before Raw closed. I thought that was nice. I thought they really used her well. And it was uh, just nice having Betty White. You know, she's a, a class act, you know, a favorite to many people, men, women. They've watched her for years, decades on, you know, various shows like the Golden Girls, et cetera, you know, Super Bowl commercials. And uh, it's really great to have someone that mainstream on Raw. And like I said, they used her well. It was a good Raw. You know, they kicked off the show with the Wyatt family and the Rhodes brothers and uh, Rey Mysterio in a six-man tag. And this whole thing with the Wyatts and Shield, they're doing really a great job building this up. We haven't really seen them mix it up. We haven't seen them in any tag matches or one-on-one matches. They're really doing this very slow, kind of old school. You know, They're really building up to something big at the Elimination Chamber. So I'm very excited for that match. It could steal the show, the way the fans are so into the Shield. They're so into the Wyatts right now. They're just kind of creepy and weird in the Shield thankfully, are still together. They haven't broken them up just yet, and they're still kind of a cohesive uh, unit, even though it seems that on yesterday on Raw, it did seem that Roman Reigns was leading the Shield, which is something we haven't seen a lot of in the last year. Usually it's Dean Ambrose at the center and kind of setting up, you know, when the Shield attacks. But this time I couldn't help but notice Roman Reigns was at the, the head of the pack 
and he was going head-on with the, the Wyatt. So that was kind of uh, something new that they're throwing into the wrench. Yeah, we almost okay. saw a fight with them towards the end of the show. They were out there at the uh, outside the ring. Then they got on the apron. Roman Reigns stepped in the ring, and he said, come on, bring it. Bray Wyatt stepped in, but then backed out. So we didn't we didn't see at least a little brawl with them. Yeah, they're saving it for the pay-per-view so far, yeah. unless they yeah. do it uh, next week, which I think is great. That's the way it should be. They're building it up. They're not rushing into anything so many times. We'll see guys, you know, have these matches, and we get sick of it. This time, we haven't seen this match. This is actually something new for the WWE. So it's great that they're slowly building towards this, you know, epic collision that's going to take place at the Elimination Chamber. Yep. And then we saw Orton and Cena again. They said they both started 10 years ago. Yeah, back in the day, feuds never lasted 10 years. These two have been going back and forth. One's a good guy. Randy Orton sometimes is the heel, sometimes he's the face. But him and Cena have been going at it for 10 years. Hell, my, my, and, my marriage didn't even last that long. <laughs> it also reminds me of Mick Foley and Undertaker. They wrestled more times than I care to count. But at least yeah, that would be. Yeah. But uh, there's also some other news that's going on. Uh, according to the PW Insider, Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart are officially booked to return to WWE Raw on February 24th, the taping in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Hulk Hogan has an agreement to return ever since he left TNA, while the original plans called for him to return at the WWE Network for scratch, and his return is now set for the 24th. J.J., what's your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, there was a lot of talk about whether or not they would debut Hogan at the launch of the WWE Network when they made the uh, announcement at uh, CES, which was the uh, Consumer Electronics Show, but they kind of held off, and now it seems they're going to really introduce Hogan when they launch the WWE Network. When they launch the WWE Network, it is February 24th after Raw, Hogan, Jimmy Hart, The Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, I believe, are all scheduled to appear on that Raw. So that is going to be a blockbuster Raw. The return of Hogan to the WWE, The Undertaker's return, whatever they're going to do with possibly uh, Lesnar and Taker, or just whatever happens, that's going to be a big Raw that you don't want to miss. You're saying this is going to be like a uh, celebration-type Raw where they're going to bring out all the – Icons and bring out all the stops to, uh, you know, build up the WWE Network. Is that what you're thinking? I'm thinking that would be a great way to go. I don't know how they plan to bring in Hogan. I know he shouldn't be wrestling. I think if you want to bring him in to, uh, you know, hype the network, that's awesome. When it comes to guys like Undertaker and Lesnar, they're obviously building towards a WrestleMania match. But for Hogan, having him, maybe even if they could bring in some other stars, maybe like a Rowdy Piper, like a Jake the Snake Roberts, anyone else that they could bring in and show in some capacity. It just helps build that WWE Network, which is going to have access to all these superstars and their history of matches over the last, you know, 50 years. So it's it's going to be pretty, uh, a very big moment for Raw that night. And Dominic, uh, before we get to Hogan, I didn't get your take uh, last week 
when we were covering the CM Punk quitting uh, the WWE situation. What's your take on that? Well, CM Punk just got tired. I think he's taking a sabbatical. What I read last uh, on the websites today that they were selling CM Punk T-shirts at Monday Night Raw. So I got a feeling eventually he's going to be back. They were selling T-shirts? Yeah. At the, uh, wow. Yeah, at Monday that, Night Raw, yeah. With a different uh, a different saying on it. Maybe I'm the best in the world or I'm the best ever. Whatever his catchphrase is. They was, yeah. they were selling usually uh, the good ones. Usually when wrestlers move on, uh, they don't sell the merchandise anymore. So you think this is a work or something? I don't know. Maybe that's the way of trying to make him come back. But if you don't come back, then it's stuck with all them shirts. But I, th- I think people will buy him anyway just because they love CM Punk so much. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And your thoughts on Hulk Hogan returning? Well, we could do without Chump Hogan. Anybody else that we, we've we just mentioned, Jimmy Hart is always a lot of fun. Uh, Undertaker and... Uh, Whoever else is going to be on, Brock Lesnar, um, they'd, be, they'd be great to see the return. I think Hogan, we really don't need him. He can't wrestle, but I think he's going to get the pop of the night. Yeah. Well, yeah, there, there's some word that he uh, he could be the guest, uh, like, uh, like what, The Rock did a couple of years back. Right. You know, host WrestleMania. But uh, in terms of the uh, the uh, WWE Network, let's take a listen to the Bella Twins. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I've turned on the WWE Network sign. If you plan to watch on your computer, tablet, or mobile device, once you order the network, you'll be all set. But if you want to experience this revolutionary form of entertainment on your television via a connected device, please focus your attention on our lovely divas as they lead you through the various compatible entertainment devices used to view this completely over-the-top service. Your journey on the WWE Network has been designed for easy access and enjoyment. In preparation, please ensure all devices are powered on and they're plugged in position. Compatible gaming devices include Xbox 360s, PS3, and PS4, and Roku streaming devices. Your device will need to be connected with an HDMI cable, so make sure you've got your HDMI cable handy and plugged into your digital TV. If you have an analog television, that's not a problem. Xbox 360 and the previous Roku family of devices are compatible with older analog televisions. At this time, we request that all mobile devices, televisions, and streaming players be turned on for the full duration of the WWE Network. The WWE Network takes off on February 24th. Enjoy. Okay, JJ, what is your thoughts of the WWE Network uh, only available, well, basically just for the Internet? 
Yeah, um, I like it. I think it's a lot smarter instead of having, you know, a, a cable station dedicated to the network. Uh, it's just, it's moving in modern times. This is the new, you know, media. It's a new way to watch things. People want to be able to access, you know, their favorite shows, whether it be on next, uh, Netflix or Hulu and, you know, on their devices, whether it's their tablets or their mobile phones. They just want to experience it instantly. They don't want to just be home and it's on their couch and in front of a TV. They just people just want it right now. And the WWE Network, you know, having it, you know, digitally on WWE.com or on their website, you know, it's just a way to get it instantly. And I got a feeling we're going to be seeing that video many times. They're going to be airing it a lot in the next week and a half until it launches uh, February 24th. But one thing I thought that was very interesting that they mentioned on Raw yesterday was that Michael Cole announced that on February 24th, when you go in to sign up for the WWE Network, that uh, I believe they're going to be giving fans a, a one-week free subscription. So if you just want to try it out, just see what it's about, they're giving the fans the opportunity for one week only just to try it out, to go on there, explore, navigate the website, you know, watch their favorite shows, and they really want to get you hooked that you do purchase it, and then you do, you know, purchase that, you know, nine ninety nine a month, and you build uh, uh, that six month uh, commitment. But uh, I, I think it's great. I think they're doing a really uh, great job with this. The way they're promoting it, uh, the way that they're just going about it. I think they're doing a really great job. And once it lands, and once it launches, I mean, it really is going to be a phenomenal. I mean, it's every uh, WWE fan's dream. I mean, you're going to be able to watch. Everything, past Monday Night Raw, SmackDowns, other shows like Sunday Night Heat and Velocity and Main Event and the old school Saturday Night Main Events. And they're going to be having a lot of those older contents on there. We're not going to get it all on February 24th. They're going to be introducing some new shows, I'd say, every month or so. I mean, they're only going to have, uh, they've mentioned a few hundred, you know, thousand hours of, of footage on day one. That's pretty amazing to me. But uh, as, you know, the months go on, we'll be adding even more content, and that's pretty amazing. And then just the pay-per-views alone, how much money you're saving, and they're going to have their WWE films on there. They're going to have WWE DVDs on there. They're going to have exclusives on there. I've heard that they're uh, recording, or not recording, but they're filming a documentary about William Regal's career that's going to be exclusively through the WWE Network. It won't be released on DVD. You won't see it on cable. It will be exclusively to the network. So if you want to watch William Regal on his, you know, reflecting his career, it will be exclusively to the network. So it's, it's truly phenomenal to be able to have this, you know, access to all this. It's just unbelievable. The vault all the shows and, you know, they're creating new shows, whether it's their reality show like Legends House or Total Divas or I don't know if they want to bring back Tough Enough, which I'm not sure why they would want to do it. They got their NXT. I don't know why are they trying to build new superstars when they're already doing that, but that's another story for another time. But uh, this thing really is a game changer for wrestling fans, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too. But uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how many people uh, give the one-week tryout. Now, uh, how do you? What do you have to do? Go to www.com and take it from there. 
Yes, ideally you want to go to w.com and you want to sign up for the W Network. And once you sign up on w.com, you'll have to create a login. So, you know, that's just your name, your address, of course your credit card information. And once you create your uh, login for w.com, then you will have access to WWE Network in which you will have access to all that content and you'll be able to view it from there. It should be interesting, and uh, we're only a couple of weeks away. And uh, next week, uh, a week from Sunday, is, uh, what's it called, the pay-per-view? The Elimination uh, Helmet. What, night, what the is elim- it called? Sure. The Elimination Chamber. That's February 23rd. That's the day before they uh, launched the network. And, uh, Dominic, do you uh, know, know any of the cards for that? Uh, no, but I, I, I did want to ask something about the network. Um, just say you want to watch WrestleMania 1, mm-hmm. okay? What do you do? You click onto it like you would click onto anything you want to watch, or do you got to wait for them to for a certain time when they're going to air it? Well, I do. If you want to watch it twice in a row, are you, are you able yeah. to do that? I think you should be able to. It should be very similar to an interface towards Netflix where once you're logged in, once you put in your username, your password, and they recognize, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, King Jordan just logged into WWE Network and then you see King Jordan, the name, on the, the uh, website, and then uh, you'll see a sort of a panel, and the panel will say shows, It'll say, you know, the live stream and what you can watch, whatever they're airing right that, at that time. They have access to the vault in which you can just go into the vault and do a search, and they might have some icons like WrestleMania. So you'll say, well, I want to see WrestleMania 1. So you'll go in the vault, and you'll click the WrestleMania icon. It should take you to the past 29 WrestleManias. And okay. from there, you can choose which one you want to see. You click it, you watch it. Or, you know, you watch it, and when it's over, if you want to watch it again, you watch it again. Oh, okay. I thought they were going to put it on set times, and then, like, one day air at 3 in the morning, the next day air at 8 at night to make sure everybody catches it. They might you can watch any, anything on there whenever you feel like it. Well, they will, like, as I mentioned before, because it is a 24-7 live streaming serv- uh, service, Right. They will have shows airing, you know, at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. So there will be constantly shows being aired live right then and there. Oh, and okay. perhaps watch a WrestleMania 1 or a SummerSlam 1 or the first Royal Rumble. At any time, you could just look and say, okay, well, what's going to be on tonight at 10 o'clock? I'm going to, you know, before I go to sleep, I want to watch some wrestling. So you could right. look and see what will be on that night. Or you could just forget about it and just go straight into the vault. And the vault will have you access to their on-demand library in which you can watch anything you want at any time. Oh, okay. I got you. Okay. Uh, I found a good clip courtesy of TV Trek, Defending the Emma Dance. Let's take a listen and we'll debate. Sorry. We had the dance-off. A lot of you guys had a lot of venom. Towards this dance-off, people calling it the worst segment or one of the worst segments in Raw history. And yes, the crowd did not seem to know what to make of the Emma dance. This was Emma's official debut on Raw. Let me backtrack a little bit here. It was Fandango and Summer Rae 
against Santino in a dance-off. Santino comes out. He looks in the crowd. He says, I'm going to pick somebody to be my partner. He sees Emma, brings her into the ring. So all four of them are in the ring, and they have this dance-off. Fandango dances a little bit. Santino does. And Summer Rae dances for all of five seconds, and then Emma does her Emma dance, which anybody who watches NXT knows all about the Emma dance. And this segment was not a good segment. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try to pretend like it was anything really special. It was. It was crap. But yeah, it was. <laughs> to insinuate that this was even close to being the worst segment or one of the worst segments, top ten worst segments in the history of Raw. Have you not been watching this show for more than six months? This wasn't even top twenty worst in the history of Raw. People need to calm down. I was very happy to hear them letting her use her NXT music. I love her NXT music. I say, you know, give it a few weeks, and trust me, believe me, you will see people getting into the Emma dance. Okay, Emma will get over. On NXT, it's not like she debuted one week dancing like that. It's something that took time to develop. The crowd at full sail started to get into it, and now she's got this cult following down there. And, yeah, they put her on TV one week here on, on Raw, and right away they have her doing the dance. That's the problem with some of these NXT guys when they debut them on the main roster. It's the same reason why Bo Dallas will go nowhere if they debut him with the current gimmick that he has as this cheesy baby face who's actually a heel. Okay, he got that way because on NXT he was the baby face champion who people hated. He was the John Cena of Full Sail. So over time, he morphed into this condescending heel who masquerades as a babyface. You know, he rebelled against the fans. He doesn't give a shit about the fans. He only pretends to. If he well, debuts on Raw they... like that without any backstory, he's dead in the water. It's almost like when they bring these guys up, they've got to start them from scratch all over again, assuming that most people who watch the show never watched NXT, which is probably true, and build those same gimmicks back up for the larger audience. I think that's what they're going to have to do. The same goes for Emma. You know. Plus, with Emma, she comes out on NXT blowing bubbles. She does this thing where from the outside she reaches up and grabs the middle rope and then pulls herself backwards into the ring, like, like skinning the cat, and she barely makes it. But that's part of the gimmick. You know, It's part of her act, and the fans love it. Uh, we'll see if she incorporates any of that into her TV character. You know, Big E had the five count on NXT, and they don't let him use it on Raw for some unknown reason, so it's possible none of that stuff will ever make TV. Uh, the thing that's going to get over, though, is not some stupid dance, though. It's the fact that the girl can wrestle. The fact that her finish, for example, the Emma Lock, looks painful as all hell. looks a hell of a lot more painful than John Cena's finish. These are things I think that the fans are going to appreciate if, if they actually let her wrestle. If they let her wrestle, she could do all the goofy comedy she wants. If she's nothing more than just a goofy comedy character who can't wrestle because they give her two minutes of TV time, well, th then I'd worry. But if they actually let her wrestle and do some impressive stuff in the ring and then slowly but surely you incorporate these other elements into her character, whether it's the bubbles or the you know climbing into the ring and almost not making it and then the dance, uh, she could be something big. Her and Paige, both of them can be something big. They, they're the two women who can lead that division. I mean, AJ is great, and AJ, you know, I hope they keep AJ around forever. Uh, but these two girls going forward, I think years from now, are, are the two that are going to be able to carry that division if they let them. KJ, I want to go to you first on this. What is your thoughts about that? 
Well, you know, uh, the thing about Emma is if you're a follower of NXT, you're familiar with her, as you mentioned. They know the dance. They know the gimmick. But let's say you've never watched NXT, and you're a, you, know, you watch Raw every week religiously, and yet you see this woman come in from the crowd, and she's you know, being paired up with Santino Morella, and she's doing this kind of goofy dance. You don't know what to make of her, and that's the thing. She has this character. I know a lot of the NXT fans are loving it. She might uh, get over with a lot of the kids because, you know, it's just something to do. It's kind of silly and fun, I guess. But uh, for the hardcore fans who maybe don't, aren't familiar with her or a lot of the older fans who aren't familiar with her, it's going to be a lot harder to win them over. She's going to have to wrestle. And what I, I'm not sure, but she might be a graduate from Lance Storm's uh, Wrestling Academy. So she's got the skills in the ring. They just have to give her the opportunity to display that. You know, I just from what he said in that uh that piece, I want to see this Emma Lock because I don't know what it is. I've never seen her in NXT. So I'm someone who's very curious to see her in the ring and whether or not she can deliver. I want to see this Emma Lock. Does it look painful? Is she great? Can she keep up? Right now, she's being feuded with uh Summer Rae and you know Fandango. So we might finally see Summer Rae actually get in the ring and wrestle. Normally, she just accompanies Fandango, or she's a part of these kind of big, you know, six-man, eight-man tags with the Divas. We haven't really seen her in a one-on-one -on -one match. So it would be nice to see Emma and Summer Rae possibly tango in the ring and actually wrestle, and then we can see whether or not she has what it takes to really define the Divas division right now. Because right now, there's only so much A.J. Lee can do with uh, the, the total divas. They've done it all. They've had AJ versus Bree and and uh, Nikki and Natty, and, you know, they've even had her wrestle the camera, and unfortunately Naomi got hurt. Uh, Oksana dropped a knee on Naomi's eye, and I think she broke her uh, eye socket, and she's having surgery. She may be out for about a week or so, but uh, it's a shame what happened to Naomi, but right now they need someone to step up. AJ needs competition. So we have this Emma who's just fresh. She's a fresh face. She's new. They could throw her into the mix right now. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see what they do and how she develops and what she does now that she's on the main roster. Because this isn't NXT now. She is on the big stage. That's a very good point. What's your take, Dominic? See, I'm not familiar with NXT at all and what Emma can do. Um, if she is doing like she's trying to do skin the cat and can't get in the ring and she really can't dance, and but if she can wrestle, all right, she'll be outstanding because there really aren't too many uh, divas anymore like there were. Yeah. No, they really they have. they start showing more of her and showcasing her, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Let me ask you, and I'll go around the... Uh... Who is your favorite diva of all, or ladies, wrestler, or, or anything, ladies in the WWE or WCW or whatever, Dominic? Let me start with you. Sable, no doubt. No, that's a good one. How about you, JJ? Well, I believe I said it before here on uh, King Jordan Radio. One of my favorites was last year's uh, two, uh, 2013 Hall of Fame uh, inductee, Trish Stratus. I like Trish Stratus because she came in and she wasn't expected to be great. She came in the same way a lot of these girls come in today. She was a model. 
She had some uh, fitness background, and that's about it. She was just there for her TNA and to look good on camera and to pull a lot of the other divas' hair. And yet, from that, she developed into a talented wrestler, and she could go with Ivory, with Lita, with Victoria, with Jazz, with Jacqueline, and she could put on some great matches. She could introduce some new things. She used to do that one Hurricane Rana when the, the opponent was in the corner. She did the, the Matrix in the ring, which was something that you know we didn't really see before. So she was able to introduce new things. She learned a lot. She became a great wrestler, and I appreciate that. I think that's really great. Uh, that they have someone who you, know, you didn't expect to be that good. She should have just been another model who came in, looked good, and left. We've seen a lot of those over the years. But Trish was one that she didn't just leave and was unknown or unmemorable. She had some instant classics with Lita, who Lita was just announced as the newest inductee into the 2014 Hall of Fame. Trish and Lita main evented Monday Night Raw together. They actually were in the main event. It wasn't John Cena. It wasn't Randy Orton. It wasn't Triple H. It wasn't The Undertaker. It was Lita and Trish who closed Monday Night Raw. That's how good the Diva division was back then when you had someone like Lita who was something that we had never really seen before. When did you ever see a woman fly into a Hurricane Rana or deliver a powerbomb to a guy? She powerbombed S.A. Rios she was in TLC with the Hardys and the Dudleys. She was being put through tables. She was in the first ever uh, women's cage match with Victoria. So those two were really just the pioneers of the Attitude Era and going forward and creating great wrestling, wrestling that we haven't seen since Lita and Trish. And hopefully maybe there's a new movement going around. Like I said, they're bringing – Emma up, they're bringing maybe possibly that girl, they mentioned Paige, you know, AJ Lee is doing what she can, we have Natty who's there, some of the other girls like Bree and Nikki, they're trying to improve, uh, Naomi who's very athletic, we're seeing hopefully something new in the Divas division that we haven't seen in a very long time, so for me personally, my favorite, I would go with Trish, just because she was someone who shouldn't have made it but she did and she's really uh really respected for how far she's really come yeah i agree with everything you're saying about trish and uh she's right there but for me it would have to be miss elizabeth because uh you know as i was watching her that's when i was first starting to watch wrestling i was much younger and she was in uh wonderful storylines with the macho man randy savage uh, and Sherry Martell, she was getting in the middle of it. And oh, yeah. the uh, SummerSlam 88, uh, she made her presence known by uh, distracting the heels, uh, letting uh, Hogan and Savage go on to the victory. And, uh, you know, Miss Elizabeth was, like, the very first beautiful uh, woman in the WWE slash WWF and uh, the storylines that were going on with her and Macho Man were just out of this world. Oh, yeah. I agree, definitely. You're right about that. I love uh, both those women are, are fantastic. They really contributed to the WWE. Uh, Miss Elizabeth, as you mentioned, uh, really one of the first who really glamorized, you know, women. She was this, you know, beautiful lady who was, 
you know, the fans loved. She was a class act when you looked at her and being paired up with the macho man, whether he was a good guy or a bad guy, and he was mistreating her. She was in the spotlight with, you know, Hulk Hogan and, you know, all those guys, even, you know, the ultimate warrior towards the end when uh, he had his last match with uh, Savage. And, you know, he had right. to leave, and he, he held the ropes for Miss Elizabeth. I think everybody watching that kind of did a, oh, it was just kind of a sweet moment. And, you know, Liz has always had, a, you know, a great reputation in the WWE. And as you mentioned, going up against Sherry Martell, who was this kind of nasty, evil, you know, vixen at the time. And Miss Liz was just the truest, uh, classiest of uh, the women to ever be in the WWE. And as Dominic said, Sable. Sable, another sort of pioneer during the Attitude Era. Yeah. She really went mainstream. She brought in a new sort of audience. She did television shows. She did a lot of magazines. Uh, she was in Playboy. And it was one of the highest-selling Playboys. In fact, it sold so much that Hugh Hefner actually brought her back, and she did another cover the same year. So Sable was another uh, pioneer who, you know, did a, a big difference for the WWE. Yeah, I, I totally agree. What about you, Dominic? What was your thoughts on Elizabeth? Uh, I used to love Miss Elizabeth back in the day uh, when Hogan feuded with Macho Man and and even in the NWO when he was looking for Miss Elizabeth and she was in the room with the NWO and Hogan and um, Macho Man was running through the halls of the hotel looking for her and they suspected her being part of the NWO and she wound up doing it. She was she was great. She was great. As just a manager and... Uh, you know the valet and everything else. She she was she was really sweet, and she she knew how to perform. She knew her thing, and she did it well. Oh yeah, and uh, do you remember when Macho Man first announced the way back in the late eighties when he said, you know, I got my first manager. I believe it was on Superstars back then, but uh, that was uh, some telling of a time and. Uh, you know, Macho Man and Elizabeth together, though, you know, with them fighting and not fighting, it was it made for some good, you know, good, good storylines back then, you know? Oh, yeah. But uh, uh, I want you guys to take a listen. Uh, this story is about Wade Barrett. We'll come back on the other side, and we'll debate it. Then Jerry Lawler stands up. And he tells Barrett that he had some bad news for him. That being that hopefully next week, Barrett will not be around. And then he laughed, and he sat down, and that was the end of the segment. What the hell was the point of that? It's just, it's unbelievable to me. Like, I watched the JBL and Cole show on YouTube. They're actually, they have a storyline on the JBL and Cole YouTube show which runs anywhere from four to five minutes, maybe six minutes, every single week. That's all it is. It's just, it's a, it's a stupid YouTube show that runs for five minutes, and they actually have a storyline that they've been consistent with over the last few weeks. JBL has this nephew called Clem, and they're looking, you know, Cody Rhodes is on the lookout. He's searching for Clem Layfield. And, you know, the Bad News Barrett persona got its start on the JBL and Cole show. It was just something funny and dumb for him to do. But I'm watching the JBL and Cole show, and there's Bad News Barrett, and he's great. And then I watch Raw, and I get this. You know, it's like, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. The WWE writers are all brain dead. That's the bad news. They're all freaking brain dead. Like, 
just amazing how in one place he's so entertaining and in the another place it's just awful. It's absolutely terrible garbage. And uh, I don't know who's writing or scripting the JBL and Cole show or coming up with these ideas and these stories. I'm sure the guys have a little more freedom also to kind of say what they want. There's not an actual script for it, I don't think. But whoever's in charge of that show, why don't you ask them for some help? Why don't you, ask, why don't you let them book Bad News Barrett on Raw? How about that? It's like when The Rock would come in, The Rock would have his own guy, Brian Gewertz, who used to be the head writer for Raw. Like Brian was his guy. I think even after they got rid of him as the head writer when Rock came back last year, he had Brian helping him out on his, his jokes and his material. Like He had a guy. Well, I say give Bad News Barrett a guy, that being whoever's in charge of making Bad News Barrett fun and entertaining on YouTube, and let him handle Bad News Barrett's segments. Because his stuff on the main roster sucks. It's doing him no favors. This whole gimmick is just a complete waste of the guy on television. And if you insist on giving him this crappy gimmick, which does have the potential to at least be funny, I'm not saying it's going to get him anywhere in terms of his career, but it certainly can be funny and entertaining. I think the YouTube show proves that. Let, let that person, whoever's responsible, script his segments on the show. The writing is so bad. It's not even funny. It's just it's cringe-inducing. And, and why Lawler had to be involved, unless they're building up a match with him and Lawler, and I can't see them letting Lawler wrestle ever again on their show, this was just a complete waste of time. Okay, J.J., what's your take on the whole William Barrett situation? Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything he said. I'm just kind of baffled by it. I have heard that, the, you know, I don't watch a lot of the JBL and Cultural on YouTube. I've maybe seen one episode just to see what the hell it was about. And it is just, you know, about three to five minutes. It's very, uh, it's very short, and they do some skits and some interviews with some of the superstars, and they do have their kind of their own thing going on. And they have Cody Rhodes, who sometimes might do a guest spot, or Oksana, or you know whoever they interviewed that week, or whatever. And I know that the whole Bad News Barrett was created on their show. And a lot of people, you know, if I go on Twitter on my timeline, and I'll see people say, "Oh, you got to see the new uh, Bad News Barrett." I'm like, "Eh, well, you know, whatever." And a lot of people just say it's great, it's funny, it's entertaining. But it's easy to be funny and entertaining in a very quick you know, scripted where you don't have a lot of pressure on you, but it's different when you're live and you've got the microphone and they put you on this big podium where you're standing above everyone and they're just kind of waiting for you to say your thing and then he comes up with these just boring, these, these uninteresting tidbits that really do feel like a waste of time and it's a shame because a lot of people, they like Wade Barrett, they want to see Wade Barrett get a push and yet they're basically just pushing him off a cliff with this gimmick. It's just it's not doing anything for him. I don't know why it hasn't translated. As they said, maybe it's the W writers. They're just they're feeding him this garbage, and it's a shame because he is somewhat entertaining when he's on the JBL and Cole show, which is very quick. It's, you know, very direct, and it's funny when you're watching it online in a very quick video, but when you're watching it live, at the arena or on television, it just feels like, why are they doing this to us? It just, it just doesn't work. And I think they've got to figure something out because if they don't, I don't know why they have Wade Barrett at this point. Unless the guy's injured and he can't wrestle and they're just doing this to take up some time so at least the fans are familiar with him so when he does return to the ring, I just feel like if they keep going down this route with him and his bad news Barrett, 
and I don't think it's getting over with the people. It be future endeavored. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. Yeah, what's your thoughts, Dominic, on Wade Barrett? Well, I, I never saw the Cole show and JBL on, on, on YouTube. I always liked Wade Barrett. He reminds me of a throwback to Baron Miguel Cicluna. I think the guy's got a lot of wrestling potential. But if the Wade Barrett, Bad Barrett, uh, Bad News Barrett is that different from the YouTube thing as it is for being on live, I say it's career suicide. Wade yeah. Barrett has got a lot going for him if they only use him in the right way. They yeah. seem to have tried a lot of things. The robe with the flower on it. Then it was the Barrett barrage. Then yeah. they gave him a beard. Then they took the beard off. Yeah. Maybe they lost faith in him, and maybe this is their last chance. But if this is Barrett's last chance, it's 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 a bad one. It's terrible. And, again, it's a one-way trip to oblivion. It's career suicide. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I totally agree with you. Uh, the other uh, thing is, okay, the other uh, clip I wanted to play, somebody asked TV Tracks, why what, did The Miz win the championship? Let's take a listen. Romit writes in, I still do not get The Miz phenomenon. For three years between 2008 and 2010, I was only watching WWE pay-per-views, no TV shows until the punk pipe bomb. I was always surprised seeing Miz booked well on pay-per-views, but I don't get it. How did he make it into the WrestleMania main event? I know you've said before all they needed was a body in there, but there were so many better guys. Why do you think Miz was selective? Was it just because he was good with media work? Because his in-ring work sucked back then. And here is the main question. By having Miz in the main event of WrestleMania, and then three years later Miz is a nobody and booked like a jobber, don't you think that they have undermined how hard it is to get to the WrestleMania main event with people now thinking, hey, the Miz could do it, so why not me? Yeah, I mean, there, there were more talented guys who could have gotten that spot. I think that, that was, what, 2011 that he got that? I, I've talked about that before. Wade Barrett. I mean, for God's sakes, they had the, the Cena-Wade Barrett feud, which they had a pay-per-view match. Barrett won because some NXT guys interfered. So Cena had to be the the, uh, the Nexus slave, remember, for, for like a month or two. So Barrett was being prominently featured, but then they just, you know, did nothing with him. I mean, he wrestled Randy Orton for the title. He lost. They had a rematch on Raw, and he lost. That was the night that Miz cashed in and became champion. So as Barrett went one way, Miz went the other. And they went with Miz instead. I mean, Miz... I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the thought process was, why it had to be Miz. If they really did have high hopes for the guy and it just didn't pan out, and so they ended up kind of de-pushing him, or if they liked how he was with the media, because he's very good at that. You know, the Miz is very affable. He can, you know, make the media rounds, and he's like the the puppet with the pull string. He'll say what you want him to say. He's like a robot. That's why I hate the Miz on commentary, because there's nothing real. There's nothing genuine about the Miz on commentary. Uh, Wade Barrett, though, is the name that comes to mind. I, as a match and as a, as a feud, would have been at least a little bit more believable. Barrett was still relatively a rookie at that point. I still think it would have been way too early for him to be in a Mania main event. But, I mean, certainly if they were looking for somebody to put in there as a body, like a newer guy or a younger guy, I would have gone with Barrett over Miz. I wouldn't say Miz sucks either as a wrestler. I mean, Miz at one point wasn't very good. He has gotten a lot better. I mean, Miz now compared to Miz, you know, five years ago, night and day. So I, I won't knock him for that, but I agree. 
and even beyond Barrett. I don't have the, the 2011 roster in front of my face right now, so I don't know all the different guys who were down, you know, toiling in the mid-card who, who could have been a better choice. Uh, but Barrett's the one that comes to mind. I mean, Miz, Miz won Money in the Bank in uh, 2010 and a couple of championships. I'm not really sure how far in advance they decided that he was going to be the one to face John Cena. Miz at the time was a good heel. You know, he had improved his look. He used to wear, like, the long pants, and uh, he went to tights. He got his body in shape. He wasn't bad. He wasn't bad at all. He had that TLC match with Lawler on Raw. He did some good stuff. He won at WrestleMania, but it meant nothing. So to go to your original point, does it undermine the Mania main event? It does. This guy won at WrestleMania, and the next month, Cena got the belt back. And like you said, look at him now. But you know what? They were pushing Miz for much of the year before that. He won the U.S. championship. I think he won the Intercontinental title. He won money in the bank. He was a tag team champion. Then he won the WWE title, and he was a fresh face in the main event, a younger guy. He just wasn't ready to be put in that position. Okay, I want to get Dominic's take on that, but before we do, let's welcome Blackjack Brown to the show. Good evening, Blackjack. King, how are you? Dominic, JJ, my brothers, how are you? Blackjack, how you doing, my man? So far, Great. so good. Good. Okay, Dominic, what was, what's your take on the Miz and the whole situation, uh, what they were going through? Well, at first, clip. I never liked the Miz at all. I said, this is a reality show guy. What the hell is he doing main eventing and everything else? They're giving him a major push, and I didn't see anything in him. But he's he's vastly improved, and I like I like watching the Miz's um, the Miz's matches, whether it's against Kofi, which they they seem to drop already, or no matter whether he's a heel or a face, I I like the Miz now. Yeah, JJ, what about you? Well, you know uh, the thing is, I, I get a lot of flack for this because guys like Cena and Miz, you know, I got all the respect for in the world just because. They're two individuals who maybe not be the greatest technicians in wrestling, but they're two right. guys who grew up loving wrestling. They're doing what they they dreamed about when they were little kids, watching wrestling on their television. So for that, I got all the respect in the world because they're living their dream. They're doing what they love. Even if they're not the best, even if they're not, you know, Shawn Michaels or if they're not, you know, Daniel Bryan, they're still going out there and they're trying to improve. As Dominic mentioned, I like The Miz and Kofi Kingston. I thought they had a great feud. They had some great matches. Uh, I'll never forget when Kofi Kingston did the Trouble in Paradise and he kicked Miz square in the face and he busted him open. That was an awesome uh, match. Uh, But in 2011, why did Miz rise up to the top when other guys didn't? Well, in 2011... You had The Undertaker and Triple H. You had CM Punk and Randy Orton. You had Edge, who was getting ready to retire. He was uh, facing Alberto Del Rio for the the last time. You had Sheamus and Daniel Bryan. They weren't even on the card. They wrestled a dark match. So there wasn't really a lot of guys in that top spot. As they mentioned, Wade Barrett was one who's been feuding with John Cena for months with the Nexus. And there was that, that back and forth where Cena was fighting against them, then he joined them, and then he's against them. And I just feel like they kind of lost steam with the whole Nexus thing. They didn't want it 
to, uh, to just do the same old, same old. So they did something different. And the one thing that everyone agrees on is usually the fans hate Miz. That's one thing they always have in common. Whatever, whatever arena the Miz goes into, usually he gets booed because a lot of people feel he can't wrestle, he's terrible, whatever. They don't look past the fact that he has improved and he's not that bad. He's, he is working hard and he is a media darling. He loves doing whatever the WWE puts him out to do. He was in the Marine 3. He was in their Christmas bounty. And he's even, uh, I think they even just announced that The Miz will star in the Marine 4. So they're going to be working with The Miz again. So they love The Miz. The Miz is a guy they know they can go to and he'll do the job. And they'll use him and he'll you know, make the WWE sound great. So he's someone who they can rely on. So maybe that's why they used them. They put them in the top spot. It got a lot of people talking. But at the same time, even though Miz was in the main event, more people were focused on the fact that it was The Rock's return to the WWE. And it was about Rock and Cena. And Miz was kind of an afterthought. He, as they mentioned, he could have been anybody. But it was The Miz, and, you know, he made the most of it. I remember when The Miz came out dressed up as The Rock. And then he's cutting promos against The Rock and Cena, saying, hey, you know, don't forget about me. I'm in the middle of this. So, you know, I think he was just in the right place at the right time. The weird thing was, uh, in 2011, he was main eventing WrestleMania. And yeah. this year's, uh, last year's WrestleMania, he wasn't even on WrestleMania. Well, he was, at, he was on the WrestleMania pregame match uh, against yeah. uh, Coffee Kingston. So, yeah. usually you don't see that big of a jump. I remember Rob Van Dam was in the same situation. Mm. But, uh, Blackjack, you had some news you said on Sting, Dan Hogan? Yeah, I mean, the, as far as uh, Hogan goes, um, I look for him to be the guest of uh, the host for uh, WrestleMania. The, he brings that media attention. I mean, not that they don't need it. I mean, they always love to have attention, but Hogan brings uh, the other medias. Uh, uh, he gives them that attention. He brings that on the board here, you know, so he will be well, a part of saying, WrestleMania. He's saying he's going to be at the war on February 24th to, uh, you know, help promote this uh WWE Network. Right. With Jimmy I mean, Hart. He's doing stuff that he could have done for TNA, but I don't know. It's just that TNA, I don't know. What can you say about that group? I mean, they're still losing by the, by, by the crap loads here. They just didn't put Hogan in the right spot. I mean, they did and they didn't. They just really still didn't know what to do with Hogan. WWE WWE does know what to do with Hogan, and watch how he uh, takes a hold of uh, Mania. And as far as Sting, he'll be there t- talking in the talking stages right now, but as far as I'm concerned, he is assigned um, to WWE. He has signed some type of uh, deal um, with these game uh, situation. You know, they got these other games, and uh, he'll be part of WrestleMania. He's going to be part of... Uh, uh, HOF, Hall of Fame, you know, next year or in, in two years. So he'll be a part of all that. Uh, as far as Punk goes, CM Punk, 
he is still with WWE. He still has a contract, so he, yeah. he isn't going anywhere. You know, uh, they have. Uh, he walked out twice already. Mm-hmm. Um, they. He was all pissed off at the Rumble how that went down. Yeah. Uh, he didn't like what happened with him, and he got definitely uh, teed off of the situation. Walked out. So until you cool off, um, you know, come back. He's got an open door. He's welcome back any time. So he's he isn't going anywhere. That's my opinion. So well, we'll have to wait read and into see. that as you will. Yeah, and absolutely. And with Batista, you know, they bring him in. They promise him the world, and um, you see how the fans react, reacted to, towards that. You know, they wanted to see Daniel Bryan. So, uh, Daniel Bryan, you don't really have to give him the title. He doesn't really have to win the title. They gain the popularity of, of all these fans, you know. He's still strong. You know, he's in, in a good spot. Yeah. Okay, I do. I would want to talk about Lita. But uh, first, let's take a listen to the taste clip. She wasn't your quintessential diva. She just did things that the other divas didn't do. She just came in there. She kicked butt. She looked beautiful. And she had her own style. Here comes Lita. Lita is fearless. You do anything. She was so unique, and she was herself. She was a badass. Look at Lita go! Oh! Lita brought a dimension that you've never seen out of a female competitor. She did things in the ring that no diva had ever done before. Think that what you always thought a diva was, it was something different. She wasn't a girl. Lita was a chick. She was a hot chick. She was a cool chick. She was that girl that you didn't want to bring home to mom, but you wanted to date. Lita just broke the barriers and stepped outside the box and kicked through the door and never looked back. This is awesome. Our latest, newest inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2014, Lita. And Lita joins none other than Jake the Snake Roberts and, of course, the Ultimate Warrior. The WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony the night before WrestleMania. What a night that's going to be. Okay, I want to go to Dominic first on this. Dominic, uh, give me your thoughts about Lita, and give me your thoughts about her making it to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I always liked Lita. She was always a thrill seeker. She used to do stuff in the ring that some of the men don't do. And she's gorgeous. I love her. I'm glad she's in the Hall of Fame. And uh, she deserves it. She deserves it. I saw a lot of high-profile matches with her uh, through the years, and she is excellent. She's excellent. She deserves it. She's she's really good. She knows her craft, 
and she learned more and more as time went on to do all these flying things and flying head scissors and just diving through the ropes over the top rope, something no, none of the girls have ever done. She's done it. She's done it. She goes to the extreme. So my vote is definitely yes in the Hall of Fame is where she belongs. JJ, what's your take on Lita and Lita going to the Hall of Fame? Well, as I mentioned before, one of my favorite divas was Trish, and one of the reasons why Trish was so good was she got an opportunity to work with Lita. These guys had great matches back and forth, whether they were better enemies or even friends. During the invasion, uh, Lita and Trish teamed up together, and they took on Tori Wilson and Stacy. Uh, even after that, uh, Lita and Trish actually challenged Chris Jericho and Christian. I don't know if you remember, there was a tag team match. It was, I believe, on a pay-per-view where Lita and Trish took on Jericho and Christian. Could you imagine the Bellas taking on the Wyatt family today? You couldn't. But back then, you could believe possibly that Lita and Trish could defeat Jericho and Christian because Lita was just amazing. As Dominic said, one of the, the first women in the WWE to just go out there to the extreme with head scissors, hurricane ranas, moonsaults. She was putting through tables with the Dudley boys. She was in TLC matches uh, with the Hardys and Edge and Christian. She was right in the middle of that. She was a part of a lot of great storylines, despite the fact that you know, she was only really in the WWE from 2000 up until she retired in 2006. So really six years in the WWE, and yet she did so much, and there's so many great memories of Lita, and, you know, being in the first ever steel cage match against Victoria, you know, two women in a steel cage match, I mean, you couldn't even imagine that in the WWE today. Lita was really uh, a pioneer in that era, and she did things that you just didn't see, and it was just really a great time for wrestling, and her contributions were amazing. She uh, filmed the TV series, a dark angel in which she was she got a broken neck uh, doing some stunts on the show and unfortunately it took her out of the ring but eventually you know she came back strong she wrestled until uh, they she was a part of uh, Edge Edge big transformation Edge was just a tag team guy maybe a mid card guy but then their whole situation with Matt Hardy Lita and Edge Edge created the rated R superstar. They had their live sex celebration, which gave the Raw one of its highest ratings. She was a part of a lot of big moments in the WWE, so she definitely deserves this Hall of Fame spot. She's earned it, and she's definitely one of the uh, most memorable divas in the WWE. Yeah, i got to agree with you. What about you, uh, Blackjack? What's your take on Lita making it to the Hall of Fame? Well, you don't really have to do much. I mean six years, but Lita does deserve it, I think. What about you, Blackjack? Yeah, she stands out. Um, she's going to have some great stories at the at the Hall of Fame dinner, and she was brought in by the, you know, with the Hardys, and great, um, she's a great wrestler. Yeah. yeah, no question about it. And uh, before we get to uh, where we're going to have uh, last week, we started a WrestleMania moment so stop thinking about it now. Uh, we'll go around the panel after the next clip. Uh, last week, uh, I said the Warrior vs. Triple H as a moment. Uh, this week, I'll think of something else. 
But in the meantime, our first clip revolves around Chris Benoit and the WWE Network. Let's take a listen. WrestleTalk TV is sponsored by JimCornetLive.co.uk. It's, it's kind of a um, it's kind of a follow up to an interview that Vince did, I think, for WWE Magazine actually, two or three years back, when he said that it was it was a little bit unfair, not to Benoit or to the WWE maybe, but to a lot of people that they couldn't show any of the matches that Benoit had with those people because yeah. they had great matches with him or that it actually was part of a, their ongoing storylines or their ongoing you know, sagas within, within the company, that they could no longer revisit that or show any of that material because of what, ben, what had happened. Um, and now the, you know, the, the speculation, I don't want to say speculation, is actually reported in a number of places recently in the, in, the, in the wrestling press, is that WWE have issued a memo to their staff saying that you know, they will be including Benoit footage in the WWE Network programming um, and that that programming will come with a disclaimer beforehand just to warn people that he's in it, basically. Um, but that Benoit is very much on the agenda in terms of something that will be seen and probably not necessarily featured as though he's the centre of a piece, but it will be a case of if he's been in something that adds to a story of someone's career or adds to a story that they're covering, um, maybe in a retrospective, for example, he will be included in, in that footage where it needs to happen, where basically it fits for him to be there, which I find really interesting. Mm, I mean, I... God, there's, there's so many ways you can look at this. Like One of the first ones is, from a publicity standpoint, and to make that network the network for wrestling fans, it's a pretty clever move by WWE. And I don't think it's out of the realms of speculation to say that there is an element there where they might have gone, you know what, it's still so divisive. <clears throat> the matches were really good quality. Um, putting it on our own network is a way that we can... You know, I don't know, I'm not, it's wrong to say piggyback off of the, not, not the controversy, because that's not what I'm saying at all, um, but in terms of actually adding something that has even more value to that network. It's back to the Batista, adding Batista to the card at WrestleMania, adding Benoit and his matches, and also the sort of, the conversation points that come with it. I mean, the fact we're talking about this now... You're launching that network. They have got to chuck everything at that network. This has got to be a success for them. I believe it will be. I mean, you know, I think it, it, it has. Yeah, it will be. Um, they're big enough as a company now, uh, and they have been for quite, <laughs> you know, what 25 years or whatever. But but le- definitely in the last 10 years, they're big enough to, to sort of sustain this. But for it to be the success that they need it to be, um, it, you know, symbolic, symbolically pulling the ladder up as we spoke about on everybody else. They need to get wrestling fans from all walks of life to sign up to this thing. Yeah. You know, and uh, and Benoit has got a lot of, I, I, that, yeah, he's got a lot of fans still. Well, I mean, you know, you. For me personally, the, it might not even be necessarily. I mean, and I, I, I completely see what you're saying there. But even that's not my only reason, by the no, way. No, 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 sure. But I mean, I think I guess for me is that. That might be one of the reasons, but the other reason is that they feel that they can control it when it's on WWE Network. So if it goes on to yeah. their normal television, I mean, that's a bit different because potentially it's got the potential for people who don't understand wrestling or aren't wrestling fans necessarily watching it and just seeing it and believing it's in bad taste. Whereas once you get on the WWE Network, that might be their opportunity to actually show this stuff because they know that the people who are watching and have bought this WWE Network are particularly into wrestling. So they know the circumstances, they understand what's happened, but at the same time, they're more willing 
willing to accept that Benoit is a part of history. He's a part of WWE's history, which, you know, even from a um, face value on-screen presentation perspective, Benoit is part of that history. And so there's, there's, a, there's a need to include him sometimes when, they, when, when that need, come, the need arises. And this will allow them to do it in a place that's more controlled from their perspective in terms of who their audience is. Well, also, I wouldn't underestimate the power of WWE's need to pacify situations. Uh, Bruno San Martino, Hall of Fame, classic example yeah. there. Um, you know, people who have got this sort of axe to grind or there's a, a topic of controversy that they really want to eventually over time sort of ride out uh, to the point where it's no longer a sore spot. Um, and I think this Benoit situation, noted by the fact that, you know, you've got this TV show over in England talking about it on national television, it isn't going to go away. So in some ways, by doing this and doing it, like you said, in an environment that they can control and slowly seeping it in like that, so it's not just a, you know, it's not, it's not a big... <clears throat> and this is all allegedly. This is all allegedly. You know what I'm saying? This is definitely going to happen. It might not be the case. Uh, so it kind of makes, makes our argument null and void. But this is, it's been reported by a reputable site that this is what's happened. Um, I think that's a way of pacifying the situation because until they make a decision either way on it, it's always going to be the elephant in the room. Yeah. So in some ways, doing this, it kind of makes it go away as being, you know, well, it happened, but, it, you know, and we, and we spoke about this in great detail. And I did, I checked out myself, actually, the feedback on it, and it was quite, you know, uh, not surprised, but some people are still, wrestling fan or otherwise, still like, he's a murderer, he should never be, you know, some people are really, really, like, still irate about it. So uh, I don't think it's going to be as, uh, I don't think they're really going to get away with it as controversy-free as maybe they, they might think they will for the wrestling audience. Well, maybe. But I think that there's, what, uh, the way I've always seen it, and I kind of tried to put this into our um, daily squash conversation, is that, as I said, I think where WWE will, I think WWE will draw a line in this, and, and, and they will stick to this one, and I don't think they'll cross it. And I think that they, they'll be able to handle this one from a perspective of, they will treat Benoit's memory as something not to be celebrated, necessarily. Um, they will, for example, Benoit will never be put in the Hall of Fame or anything like that. But, mm. as I say, they won't, they won't hide from the fact that he was a performer for them for, you know, not just the WWE since 2001, but, of course, they own all the rights to WCW and ECW's footage. And he was in he, he was in WCW from about 1995, and in ECW before that for a year or so as well. So you're talking about yeah. a guy that was a performer for them for over 10 years. Um, in terms of and a performer who had some of the best matches in all three of those companies. The guy headlined and yeah. won a main event of a WrestleMania. I mean, it's not. Well, it was made, WrestleMania 20. Yeah, exactly. It was. It, was, it wasn't even a small WrestleMania. <laughs> it wasn't WrestleMania 9. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Or, or yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about a guy who is is prominent in the history of the company and they have to recognize that he was there in order to tell the stories about other people that they want to tell. And that includes yeah. someone like Eddie Guerrero, for example, that it seems, it seems almost, it's, it's almost in bad taste to recognize Benoit when you're telling the story of Eddie Guerrero because of, you know, the fact that Eddie Guerrero is no longer with us as well. But at the same time, that story is not tellable without Benoit. You can't no. tell the Eddie Guerrero story without acknowledging that Benoit was a massive part of it. So I think that's where WWE will draw the line, is that they won't celebrate his career, they won't make anything a feature about him, but when it comes to other people that they need to use his history for, they will. I, don't, I think that's where they'll, they'll use it and they'll be happy to do so. And, and you know, and WWE...
WrestleTalk TV is sponsored by... Okay, I want to go to Dominic on this first. Uh, uh, do you think it'd be in poor taste if they uh, put Chris Benoit uh, on the uh, computer version and on the WWE Network? Not at all. Because you've got to differentiate Chris Benoit, the wrestler, from Chris Benoit, whose mind snapped and did what he did. Chris Benoit was a great wrestler before all that even happened for many years. The murder-suicide stuff took place over, over a period of three days, but Chris Benoit was still a ring general before his mind snapped, and like you said, like that was played in the clip, you can't take him out of history. That's like right. Columbus discovering America and say Columbus did cocaine and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to let anybody know that. Then who discovered America then? It definitely uh, brings up uh, a debate for some people. Blackjack, what is, what is your take on uh, uh As I said been... before, I don't think Benoit uh, did do that murder. And, yeah, I remember uh, a couple of weeks ago you said that. You think somebody else did all that, the murder and everything else. Exactly. This is okay. what I believe, knowing the man as well as I did. Um, right now, no one really can can convince me that he did do it, you know, without a major jury to convict him. I just, I just can't see him doing it. Somebody else did it. I never met him, but I heard he was such a nice guy that they, he he wasn't capable of doing such a heinous thing. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Yep. So, you know. But if you have bail, you need to look uh, more than those uh, damaging text messages uh, where he practically says, get the dog, uh, move the dog out of it, and give a sort of instruction to the wrestlers. You remember, J.J.? Yeah, I know. uh the whole situation uh, with the text messages and that last sort of three days, as uh, Dominic mentioned, the thing is you got to separate the man from those three days as opposed to the man of his career in wrestling. And, uh, you know, I think it's great that they're not celebrating Chris Benoit. They're not necessarily promoting Chris Benoit, but they are acknowledging Chris Benoit. They are recognizing Chris Benoit and that he is a part of the WWE's history, WCW's history, and even ECW's history. And uh, it's one thing to erase him from the live broadcast and not to refer to him, not to put him in the magazines or to glorify him, but just to acknowledge him, you're paying a premium service. I think you deserve you know, access to the archives of the WWE library, and that is a part of Chris Benoit. He's a part of a lot of great moments. As they mentioned in the clips, it's hard to tell an Eddie Guerrero story that doesn't include Benoit in some way. And uh, I think they're going about it the right way, and uh, I think uh, they're doing what's best for business, and that is including Benoit in the network and be able to watch his matches. Uh, like I said, they're not going to glorify him. They're not going to celebrate him. They're not going to have a profile to say, hey, watch Chris Benoit's greatest matches. You're not going to see that. What you will see is if you want to see, you know, WrestleMania 20, you can watch that match where Benoit wins the titles and maybe he's celebrating with Eddie Guerrero, but they're not going to go out of their way 
to, like I said, advertise and, you know, really promote him. He will be recognized. He's acknowledged. He's in the, the, the matches, in the, the video footage. But I think that's about as far as it's going to go. And I'm just glad that they're going to include him because, I mean, with the WWE, they can essentially do whatever they want. If they don't want this guy to exist in the company, they could just erase him. And what are we going to do about it? Nothing. But at least this way, they're giving the fans what they want. Like I said, you're paying a premium service to see everything, so they're giving us everything. I still think there could be a time when WWE may change their mind. I mean, it it doesn't look like it at this point in time, but you, you never know. You never really know. Well, I'll, I'll go the other way. You know, you have an eight-year-old that you have, and you got the WWE Network, and he says, Dad, Dad, I really like uh, this guy, Chris Benoit. Can you give me a background uh, about him? What do you say in that situation? You just leave the, you just leave, leave the murder and the suicide out of it. Just say he was a great wrestler from Canada, trained with Stu Hart, um, but then if you Google Mexico. that on the computer, what comes up? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, oh, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. Even if you ask the parent, the parent, you know, could, you know, leave a few well, facts out. Yeah, you're a very young yeah. child, and you control when they watch it, I guess, you know. And uh, that maybe social they, media yeah. stuff is, you know, it could be a danger towards stuff, but everything is in on this on this Google stuff and this social media stuff. This is the world we live in today. This is why things, you know, it's going to be all kind of like screwed up in a sense, but that's the way it is. Yeah. Well, a lot of the people that were brought up in that time uh, don't like uh, the stuff, but it's like, put it this way, you know, if the air conditioner just came out, Everybody's going to take air conditioning because that's part of the new technology. Just when color TVs came out, you know, you, nobody said put the color TVs back. It's just how the world evolves. Things get bigger and bigger, and uh, that's what you're going to see. That's true. I don't think I could live without air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, definitely uh, a situation, but... uh the uh, pay-per-view next week, uh, uh, KJ, what, what is uh, some of the matches scheduled for it? Well, the Elimination Chamber, as of today, has three scheduled matches. There's, of course, Batista's big return. He will be facing Alberto Del Rio. We also have that big uh, six-man tag between the Wyatts and Shield. The first now, the Wyatts and the Shields, look for the, the Wyatts to gain someone else in, in their camp, like they did with Daniel Bryan. Maybe mm. one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. members. Maybe the, the Rhodes. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, also at the Elimination Chamber, there's, of course, the main event for the WWE World Heavyweight title. Randy Orton will be defending the title against John Cena, Sheamus, Antonio Cesaro, Christian, and Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan will finally get his hands and an opportunity against the title. And, you know, the winner of the Elimination Chamber of that match and whoever walks out as champion will go on to headline WrestleMania 30. I just hope they don't screw over Daniel Bryan again. 
Yeah. And uh, as we speak right now, who is the uh, favorite to uh, win that one, JJ? Well, as uh, Dominic said, right now the fans are pulling for Daniel Bryan. This is Daniel Bryan's year. He is one of the hottest stars in the WWE, no matter what arena he goes into. The yes chance, the Daniel Bryan chance, the people are behind him firmly. They want to see him get that title. They're upset at the way WWE's been using him and constantly being abused and having titles taken away from him and opportunities taken away. But as Blackjack did mention, despite all this, he's still doing pretty well. Like I said, the fan support is amazing. The guy is on top of the world. Believe it or not, he doesn't even need to win the title. Yeah, he doesn't even have to. He doesn't need it. Yeah, he doesn't have the title. These other people kind of need it. In a sense, they, they really don't, but... You don't really need that title. I mean, for him to even chase after to come as close as he as he as he's done, beating Orton in nine title matches, mm-hmm. he doesn't need that title. Okay, I a lot of guys are like that. They're over without a belt. Right. Their popularity yeah. puts them over. They don't need the strap. Exactly. It's a very good point. There are certain people that don't need a strap. Okay, I do have one more clip. It is the consequences of the WWE Network failing. Could it happen? Take yes, it could. <laughs> TV is sponsored by JimCornetLive.co.uk. That was the first bit of news somebody came back to me with and was kind of like, this is... Um, and yeah, and, and Joel's perspective on the network was very interesting. Um, and I, since I had that conversation with him last week, I spoke to a few other people that kind of said stuff like, well, actually, if you didn't have the pay-per-views on there... What is there that you would be getting that you can't get anywhere else, really? Mm. Um, the network is just the pay-per-views, and all the other stuff is just lumped on to make it seem more appealing. Um, I mean, I'm going to get the network. So I, I'm, I, think, I, I personally think it's a brilliant idea, and I think it's, it's a really, an awesome idea. But I, what I'm saying is I'm already hearing quite a lot of people coming back with their negative sort of spins on it, and that makes me think, wow, it's not even launched yet, um, you know, properly. I, in, I think yeah. what's really interesting to me is I think that it's the... It's the first thing that WWE have done in a long time, actually, which I think they've specifically are targeting um, lapsed or hardcore wrestling fans. Um, I think it's one of those things where a lot of fans who perhaps weren't currently contributing to financially to the product in terms of perhaps not buying pay-per-views because they no longer watch the product or maybe mm. not watching Raws often. Or they stream them. Or they, you know, they watch them yeah. illegally. Yeah. Um, those people are being... I think those are the people that are really being targeted here. Um, but as I've said before, I just wonder... Because one of the things I brought up, and I'm sorry, I bring it up again, but the, our, my, our new podcast on the uh, exclusive to WrestleTalk TV TV members, Smarking Out podcast, on that I said that what I was concerned about with it is that Brock Lesnar, okay, is going to be in the first, he's going to appear on the first three pay-per-views this year. Um, he's going to be at the Royal Rumble against the Big Show. He's already said he's going to face the world champion or WWE champion at uh, Elimination Chamber, and he will undoubtedly be at WrestleMania, okay? That means he won't be on any pay-per-views after WrestleMania because he's only supposed to work three matches a year. That's the, the deal he's apparently got with the WWE, right? So that means that anybody who, who doesn't have the network beyond WrestleMania won't be drawn in by a Brock Lesnar type because WWE aren't using them for that. They think, well, if we put them up front on the, first pay- on the, on the last two pay-per-views, Royal Rumble and Elimination Chamber, that won't be available on the network, we are in that respect, pulling people into the network. What, I, what I'm concerned by is that that will mean that people won't buy the pay-per-views outside of the network, who normally would have done, who are more casual fans, because Lesnar's not there and won't be on any of them. And he usually he's on Extreme Rules and SummerSlam. 
Well, I mean, the, you know, you phrased the question, what if the WWE Network fails? So, I mean, what, what, is the, what, what is the doomsday scenario in case it fails? I mean, the WWE's financial reserves, are, I assume, are so big at this point that this would be a blow. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, they've lost other things in the past. I mean, the XFL, mm. I can, you know, you see it, even before that, the World Bodybuilding Federation, which, by the way, I was a fan of. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but I was, I was about 13. Someone had to um, Ten minutes remaining. Yeah, I know it was great. I thought it was really because the, they used all the WWE sort of marketing, so that all the bodybuilders had their. It was an interesting bodybuilder. I was interested in the fact that like they had their, their own magazine and they had these wicked stage shows with dancers and backflipping pyrotechnics, and so it was just really. I could see what Vince was trying to do. Uh, it's just the market for bodybuilding. It's just, it's just not. It's just, it's a weird sport. If you're not, you know what I mean. It's kind of, it's very. That's, it's far more niche than wrestling. Um, but you look at their restaurant, the World WWE, the World and stuff. And there's been other things that actually would consider what like, this was going to be a big deal. Um, I don't, it, I, I, it could be argued that the network is not as big a thing in terms of the financial cost to the company as I would argue the XFL. I'm not 100% sure. So. I would agree with that. I don't think it is as financially... I don't think they're investing as much money into the network as they would be as they did into the XFL. But what I do think they are investing is their brand, and that is the most valuable thing in the WWE, is their wrestling brand and their wrestling yeah. um, core business. Their wrestling is their core business. Um, and this is... They are investing the reputation of that core business into this network. So rather than it be a case of, well, this is an offshoot of the WWF, it's part of the WWF's um, umbrella company, um, but you know it's completely separate from the wrestling, as the XFL was, as the World Bodybuilding Federation was. This is actually staking the future of their core business on a new venture. That they, that you know, that's why I see it as quite a risk because we've already spoken about the fact that. Um, you know, some of the some of the um, pay-per-view providers in in America are already talking about dumping WWE because mm. those pay-per-views are going to be available on the network. So they're saying, well, you're going to have less people ordering those pay-per-views. Why should we continue to carry them? Um, WrestleTalk TV is sponsored by Jim Cornette. Okay, I want to go to JJ first on this situation. Can you see it failing on those grounds that they were talking about, JJ? Well, here's the thing. We're assuming that everything works out. I have mentioned before that, you know, they are losing money by airing the WWE Network. They're losing a lot of money by having this, and they probably won't even break even till the end of the year, and that's even if things go right. But if you imagine if things go wrong and they don't make a profit, uh, you know, by next year and things go terribly wrong, and let's say pay-per-view providers say, you know what, you know, Comcast tells them, you got to do the pay-per-views on your network, and we're getting screwed, so we're not going to be airing your stuff. And then all of a sudden the network flops, then they're going to have to start kissing, you know, the cable provider's ass. And satellite providers are already saying that they might drop them. So they really, really? are putting a lot. They're putting a lot into this network, and they really are targeting a lot of the hardcore wrestling fans to, you know, purchase and uh, not just watch the pay-per-views, but the old footage. That's what a lot of people, I think, are looking forward to, whether or not you're an old-school fan and you want to see Hogan and Bruno and Andre and Savage and Jake Roberts and Warrior, or if you're a a fan of the Attitude Era and you want to relive the Monday Night Wars. And let's say you watched Raw, but you didn't watch Nitro. Now you can watch Nitro. Now you can see what all the fuss was about. Or maybe you watched Nitro and you didn't watch Raw. You can see whatever you missed on Raw. You can watch those shows and determine 
which had the better show? Was it Raw? Was it uh, Nitro? So I think it's very interesting that they're getting those core fans because in the Attitude Era, wrestling was really at its peak and it was doing great within the ratings. Yeah. We haven't seen ratings like that in a long time. So if you can get some of those people who aren't watching today, if you can bring them back, and if you can bring them to open up their wallets and to purchase this network and to relive those glory days of the Attitude Era, even the Golden Age before that, or the new generation, it really, it could, hopefully, it seems that things will work out for them. I don't see the network failing, but nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is 100%. Anything can happen. This could flop. It is very possible, but I think they're doing everything possible to make sure that doesn't happen and that this thing is successful, and this is the future of, you know, how do you watch wrestling. So, I mean, it's very possible, but I think they're taking the right uh, steps and precautions to make sure this is a success. Like I said, they are losing money on this, and nobody likes losing money. But uh, hopefully, like I said, by the end of the year, they'll start seeing profits, and that's when you'll know that this thing is a success or not. Dominic, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I gotta agree with that. It's it's gotta be a success because they are losing money on it. Because look at what they're charging for the pay per views if you order it the regular way through the cable company. Now, what I'm hearing and I heard it a while ago is Comcast is refusing now to air any WWE pay per views. They figure you're not going to get it through us. Get it through the network. Yeah. But if the network screws up. Suppose Comcast don't bring back the WWE pay-per-views. Yeah. Right. I think one day pay-per-views may even be a thing of the past. Because Uh maybe people don't want to pay all that money. They figure I can see the same stuff on Raw. And Mm -hmm. why bother doing pay-per-views? Like TNA. TNA's got four pay-per-views listed for 2014. All the other pay-per-views they have listed are pre-recorded. And they're great. And they're only fifteen dollars for a little over two hours. So this is TNA. What? Which one is two hours? TNA. The TNA. They're just a little over two hours. They were taped several months ahead of time, but but they're excellent. And they're going to be charging fourteen ninety five. Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Because and the four ones that are live. I don't know how much they are. They're probably 34 or 40, but they're only showing four, four, four main ones. That's a very good deal. It is. It is a very good deal. That's why I'm sticking with TNA, and I'm going to order it through the TV like, like always. The pre-taped ones are on a Friday night, and if I don't catch SmackDown, it don't bother me because once I get the spoilers off the websites, I really don't have to watch it. Did you see the last TNA uh, with the MVP and uh, talking and everything? Uh, did you get a chance to see that? And if so, what did you think of it? Yeah, I did. I always liked MVP. He said he's only there on a handshake. He's got no contract. So we'll see how long he lasts there, if he even lasts there without a contract, unless he does sign one. JJ, your thoughts of MVP and TNA? Well, uh, you know, I like MVP, as I mentioned uh, last week. This is actually his second time with TNA. Before he was uh, Antonio Banks, 
before he entered the WWE, but now he's back. Now he's using his well-established name that you know he made famous in the WWE. You know he's he was MVP. in TNA before. Yeah, he was in TNA before as Antonio Banks. That so, uh, MVP is Antonio Banks. Yeah, I believe uh, before. <laughs> oh shit! I would have never remembered that. Yeah, this was uh, just before he made his debut in the uh, WWE. So uh, it's great to see MVP back. You know, he's mixing it up. He's that opposing force with Dixie Carter. Dixie Carter is the, you know, that sort of evil, she's kind of the Vince McMahon right now, the evil boss. MVP is that opposing force. He's, you know, the general manager or the investor, as they're calling it, and he's kind of dictating the pace towards the fans, and he's trying to put on the matches that they want to see, and he, he wants to try to dethrone the Dixie Carter regime. So it's interesting to see what he does with uh, while he's there. As Dominic mentioned, they just have a handshake deal, so he doesn't necessarily have a contract. We don't know how long this will last, but I'm enjoying what they're doing so far, and uh, I'm looking forward to Impact this week, and I hope it's a good show. Are there any signs, I'm hearing they're trying to bring in a lot of young, of, young talent, like they got the American Wolves now. Yeah. And if they do that, Dixie Carter may, may be having the right thing then doing that because it's the smaller guys that we never heard of and never saw that made that company. Guys like Hogan didn't make that company and Bischoff. The best thing getting rid of them guys. They're only dead weight. What about <laughs> the signs? Of, are there any signs of Vince Russo? Yeah, he's supposedly back doing mm-hmm. the uh, creative stuff. And people used to say years ago, if it sucks, blame Russo. So we'll <laughs> see. If it starts to suck, then we know that MVP is only a gimmick and a figurehead. And it's really Russo that's doing all of this with, with Dixie. As I said before in weeks past, don't be surprised if you see or hear of Vince Russo taking over the helm of this whole situation. I know. I remember when you said that, and that scared me because I don't want to see it either. As I said, you never say never when it comes to wrestling. Even WWE and TNA, you never know. You go where the wrestling is. And right now, WWE is strong. TNA, you know, what have they got to lose by bringing in Russo? What have they got to lose? Not a daggone well, thing. What have they got to gain? Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. better question. What have they got to gain with that moron? Well, you, it's, huh. it's taking you, you get, you're giving notice to it. You, you yeah. didn't think it was that bad? Well, well, I don't know. I don't know the full capacity of Vince Russo yet. We we all don't know yet. Yeah. And, and well, let it play out. Oh, uh, you know, he brought about 30 ideas to Vince McMahon, we heard, and, you know, he, they'd be lucky if they took one. Uh, yeah. We heard he created Socko, and he was instrumental in creating DX. But he that's over a span of 40 other ideas that Vince turned down. But you don't hear that part. So, I don't know. I, I, I didn't like when Vince Russo... Uh, showed up in WCW, and, you know, Ed Ferrara was Jim Ross and that whole stupid scene oh, That there. made me sick. Ed Ferrara even spoke with his mouth twisted to make fun of J.R.'s Bell's palsy. That, that was, was absurd. That's a dumb son of a bitch. We didn't know you guys like that. No, no, especially making fun of Bell's palsy. 
That's yeah, something really. very serious. Something very serious indeed. Yep. But uh, I definitely, uh, I do want to go to a WrestleMania moment uh, before we check out. And I am going to go to WrestleMania 13. Wow. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh, it was God. the night when one guy turned bad and one mm-hmm. guy turned uh, uh, good. Ken yeah. Shamrock was the referee. What yeah. an intense match with going back and forth and counting this and that. I tell you, that was uh, definitely a clear-cut WrestleMania moment. And, J.J., let's go over to you for your WrestleMania moment for this week as we get closer to WrestleMania. Well, I do love uh, WrestleMania 13. My boy Bret Hart in Chicago against Austin. That was phenomenal. Definitely a favorite of mine as well. But uh, I would have to choose, believe it or not, last year, uh, WrestleMania 29, CM Punk going up against the streak. Punk was hurt going into this match. A lot of people remember his uh, 434 days as champion. He hurt his knee. He actually uh, had to take a little time off. He couldn't even defend the title at TLC against Ryback. Yet he still came in, and he did the job to The Rock. He was still hurt. He went into WrestleMania against the Phenom, challenging the streak. A lot of people didn't give him credit that he could defeat the streak or that he deserved to defeat the streak, but he did a phenomenal job. He worked his ass off. Undertaker was a guy who I kept wondering, can he still go? Can he still deliver? We only see him really once a year. How will he be able to keep up with a younger guy like Punk? And these guys tore the house down. It was a phenomenal show, right back and forth. It was exciting. It was fun. Taker looked great. Punk Danier killed himself by delivering an elbow drop off the top turnbuckle to the announce table. His injury was really prevented him from getting a good jump, and he landed terrible. In fact, uh, after that match was over, he had to take time off again. But a lot of people don't understand it. He didn't take time off because it was a vacation. He took time off because he needed MRIs and that he was hurt and he was burnt out. So the fact that he delivered a huge WrestleMania moment match with The Undertaker, I give him a lot of respect for that. It was a great match. And for me, it definitely made uh, WrestleMania 29. Awesome match. You hit it right on the head, JJ, and I couldn't agree with you anymore. Okay, Dominic, what about you? Believe it or not, I don't have a special WrestleMania moment. Of course, there was just so many different... <clears throat> good things that happened at every WrestleMania, that if you put all the good things that happened in all the different WrestleManias together and made a video of that, now that's a tape for the archives. That's, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you, you don't have one favorite match? Like mine would not re- be... No, Steve not really. Not really. I'd have to look through a listing of every WrestleMania and pick out, say, oh, yeah, I remember that, and say, that would be it. Right, but I, one I can't get over is Stingboat very Savage with George Steele in the corner. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was funny as hell. <laughs> George Steele and, with a crush on Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Blackjack, what about you? 
My sentiments are, are exactly just what Dominic said. You know, it's really uh, hard to really pinpoint a, a single match, but, you know, I like the, the Warrior versus Hogan. When the Ho- Warrior defeated Hogan for the title in Toronto. What uh, about the one you had with the HBK versus Bret Hart, the one-hour match? Yeah, that was great, too. I mean, uh, I loved that match. Uh, Shawn Michaels uh, defeated Bret Hart for the title. That was great. Yep. Um, Did they do a Bret Hart against Owen at WrestleMania? Yeah, Yeah, that's what I said last week. Last week, WrestleMania 10, Bret and Owen, uh, a great technical classic, uh, great back and forth. Bret, uh, who was the face, and Owen, of course, the And he was living in Bret's shadow, and he finally beat his big brother, Clean, a clean win. Yep. Despite the fact that Owen beat Brett, Brett would go on later that night to win the title, and Owen would come out in disbelief. What a moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Nobody thought I got a WrestleMania up. moment where Eddie Guerrero and Benoit won the belts, and they were hugging each other in the middle of the ring with all the confetti coming down. Yeah, yeah it's Madison Square Garden. That's right. That was the garden. Yeah, they were hugging each other. That was uh, the night uh, with uh, beat uh, Benoit, Triple H, and somebody else, Shawn Michaels, three away. Maybe, yeah. I forget now. And Kurt Angle lost to uh, Guerrero. Right. Yeah. I see and feel Eddie was able to lose the boots. And Kurt got uh, caught holding Eddie's boots, and Eddie got the the victory, retained the WWE Championship. And later that night, you would see Benoit defeat Triple H and Shawn Michaels and win his first World Heavyweight title. They had fireworks going, confetti, and here comes Latino Heat, Eddie Guerrero, and the, the two men who worked together for so long in WCW in Mexico and Japan, and they were standing tall at WrestleMania 20, and just uh, really was a really great moment. Yeah, that's when, yeah, that's when Eddie unleashed his boot. Now I remember that. Yeah. He unleashed his boot, and it came off, and Brett just had the boot in his hand <laughs> at the sharpshooter. Yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll see uh, this year's WrestleMania. Any worry who the Undertaker's supposed to wrestle? Well, we're I'm here, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Brock Lesnar and 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 Undertaker. Oh boy, I don't think that'll be as good as CM Punk. No, it and won't. And the streak and is going to stay intact. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but if Punk is not at WrestleMania, the way if they keep chanting, you know, it's not going to look good. No, it's well, not. It's there's not. two dates uh, I was saying last week about CM Punk. CM Punk was advertised for the February 12th at midnight taping, which is a comedy show on uh, Comedy Central. It was supposed to be CM Punk and The Miz uh, on this show, and unfortunately the host of the show, Chris Hardwick, just announced that CM Punk was pulled from the show, so he will not be on the show tomorrow. And then there's, of course, the Raw in Chicago, March 3rd, which has been advertising Punk back in January and December, but now the newest uh, promos for the Raw in Chicago, they took Punk out of the advertisements. So, you know, it, it all depends on, on Vince McMahon. I believe, you know, Mick Foley, even Terry Funk have all discussed 
this whole situation with Punk, and essentially Punk made his stand. He walked out. So right now the ball is in Vince's court. What will Vince do to get this man to come back? Yep, that's right. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, they got to give him a better schedule. Because Vince could buy anybody pretty much. He's become the Ted Turner of uh, wrestling, as Ted Turner was wrestling in the 90s. Well, that's if it's about money. That's the thing is we don't know if it's about money or if it's about the fact that Punk just wants the main event. It's not necessarily about the money. It's about getting the respect he feels he deserves and that these part-time guys are taking the spotlight away from him. So it's up to Vince of whether or not he wants to give Punk what he wants. One of the things that I read that Punk got pissed off at is because they pushed Batista ahead of Daniel Bryan. Yeah, even though I'm friends with Batista, Daniel Bryan's been here for so long, he keeps mm-hmm. getting screwed. Batista comes in and gets the main spot. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah, he was Yeah, Punk was interviewed at Wizard World just before the Royal Rumble, and he pretty much flat out said that this is Daniel Bryan's year and that he's friends with Batista. He doesn't have a problem with him coming in, but right. at the same time, you know, he doesn't like the situation. It's not Batista's fault. It's just right. the situation that the W feels that he's a bigger star, so he'll make more money if they put him in, in the headline of WrestleMania 30, as opposed to Daniel Bryan. Right, right. And Batista, when he came out, he blew the roof off. But then they booed right. the hell out of him because they'd rather see Daniel Bryan. Only WWE WWE ain't getting that. Who's ever putting this across isn't getting the idea that Daniel Bryan is so over. Even with the chance, with the yes, yes, yes. They're doing it even when Daniel Bryan's not out there. Just like they're still doing what, 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 (laughs) and Austin's not even there. Yeah. (laughs) It's just something that took off. And the fans are running with it, but the WWE, who's making up this stuff, is seeing way past that. They're acting like, all right, we don't give a damn what they're cheering. We're going to give them what we want anyway. Well, it should be interesting uh, what happens. And uh, next week we'll get more into that, and we'll get more into WWE Network. It'll be only a couple days away. And uh, Dominic and Revive, we're going to give our predictions for the pay-per-view. All right. So we'll hope to have you back. And uh, once again, uh, thank you, JJ, Dominic, and Blackjack for joining us here tonight on King George Radio. My brothers, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. We're finished already? What's that? We're finished already? You want to do another two hours, don't you? I didn't get to to sing nothing. (laughs) Go ahead. You got something for us? How long I got? You know what, Dominic? Play, uh, do your uh, Dusty Rhodes imitation. I, I don't think my All right, Dusty Rhodes. All right, wait a minute. I need a little soda here. One of the best ever. Unbelievable. I remember you did you that my hotline it. years ago. You know, it seems that every time this year comes along and it's WrestleMania, everybody seems <laughs> to be at the peak of their career. Everybody's trying to get the number one spot. To try to main event WrestleMania is a difficult thing. Believe me, you got to go in through this here pay-per-view 
elimination chamber <laughs> is very hard on your body. And then eventually you get to go to highlight WrestleMania in the main event in the grandest stage of all. <laughs> you see, the American Dream has highlighted many great shows at the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia, teaming up with Dickie Murdoch. I've done it all, been there, done that, but I'm way too old to do it now. So now it's the time for Cody Rhodes and Goldust to keep on rising to the occasion, get them tag team belts back, and bring it back to the Rhodes family <laughs> like it's supposed to be. You know, you days of God and Soli, God rest his soul, God and Soli, I enjoy love working with you, man. You probably are still watching a product up there in heaven. <laughs> you are right on point with that, let me tell you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> 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 okay, everybody. We will speak to you same place, same channel, same time. We'll Good night, everybody. With... Yes, we will leave with Jake the Snake Roberts theme. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Dominic. Thanks, DJ, and thanks, Blackjack. Jordan, thank you, my brother. Thank you, King. JJ, guys, take care, Dominic. Take care, folks. Always the best. <laughs>